this. We're going to talk about something super important for you. Marriage. Are you excited to be here, kids? Uh, talk about marriage. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Uh, kids, does it sound fun to pay bills? Have you ever heard your parents complaining about paying bills? I'm not saying being married is like paying bills, but they kind of come together. Uh, you get more bills the, more, the longer you're married and stuff. I don't know how all that works together, but anyways... Um, it's kind of something for the future, kids. And I want to apologize to you kids first. Uh, those of you who uh, um, are here today, I want to apologize for your parents, okay? Uh, we're going to talk about marriage today. And you're, you're going to... I got the sweetest, the sweetest drawing from my little buddy Jordan up here. I, you saw me put that little thing. And I looked at it, and it was a boy drawing. You know what that is? Yeah, yeah, you do. Some of you have seen it. Some of you have done it. He took a pencil and he just started going for it. He did his best. Didn't look like anything. Didn't look like anything, but he did his best. Kids, that's how marriage looks a lot of times, okay? Uh, you, you maybe have looked at your parents and gone, boy, they're sure making a mess out of everything. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah, that's true, and I apologize for your parents. I, I I apologize to my own children who are here today. Uh, I know that uh, for for them, uh, I look like I'm just messing stuff up sometimes, and I'm doing my best, but it's sometimes it's not good enough, right? Can you relate to that, any parents here today? Uh, sometimes we're doing our best, and it's not good enough. Um, kids, I want to give you some uh, ideas about marriage. Don't take notes. Don't take notes unless you want to. Uh, you can store these away for whatever you're going to get married. I think you should get married at 25, okay? Kids, get married at 25. Do the math right now, okay? Wherever you are, uh, if, uh, you know, if you're five, in 20 years, you're going, oh, I got all the time in the world. Start looking now. No, uh, uh, but uh, no, just uh, kids, I want you to think about this. I, I think about um, when I was a kid, sometimes I, I had this idea that I just wouldn't think about marriage. I wouldn't think about being a dad or a husband. And then one day uh, when I'm 25, everything would kind of come together and I'd start thinking about that. And That's too late. That's too late, kids. So just start thinking in your mind, I'm going to get married someday, someday. It doesn't make sense to me now. Uh, and I'm going to think it's going to be a good thing, and I'm going to be ready for it when it comes, by God's grace, by God's grace. And so, uh, for those of us who are older than 25 and uh, got a, a few bumps and bruises from the path, um, both our own doing and those of, of others, I want to encourage us all this uh, on how to have a great marriage, how to have a great marriage. These aren't easy things. These aren't five easy tips. Actually, there's seven. Um, yeah, there's seven. Uh, these aren't easy things or simple things, but they are foundational things uh, that uh, make all the difference in the world. Uh, if you're struggling in your marriage today, maybe you're doing it wrong. Be honest enough to say, uh, maybe there's some things in me that need to change. And I, I want to I wanna throw that out there. That's not just for 
somebody specific, but most likely for all of us here uh, today. So some things that we need to be reminded of and things we need to change. Uh, I come under no illusion uh, that we're a church who's got it all together. In fact, I know better. I know better, okay? Uh, we need to pray. We need to pray right now. Please join with me in prayer. Uh, Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the blessing of our children being here. Uh, God, I ask that you would spare them from some of the heartache uh, that others of us have experienced because uh, we didn't know you and we didn't know what your word said prior to getting married. God, I ask for grace upon grace for those of us who are married, uh, both to cover the past. Uh, some of us still carry around the burdens of uh, sins that we have committed and sins that have been committed against us. And Lord, I pray for grace upon grace to cover us today. God, I ask for excitement uh, as we seek uh, your word and as we hear from you that we would be excited that you have shown us a better way, not just a better way, but your way, your intention and design. God, thank you for this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. I am excited uh, to talk to you about these things. I rearranged some things. I lied to you last week. I told you the game plan was going to be uh, Matthew 19, going to finish that off, and then we were going to uh, talk about how to not get divorced and stuff like that. It's all, it's all gone. So today is uh, how we can have a great marriage. Next week, we're going to talk about the rest of the Psalm, or, uh, Matthew 19 passage, and then the following week, the following week, we're going to navigate the minefield of marriage. Isn't that a better title? I was so proud of myself when I came up with that. Oh, man, it's great. It's great. So here we go. Seven points. Seven points to how to have a great marriage. The first one goes like this. Be secure in Christ. Be secure in Christ. And when I say secure, I, I mean that in Christ that we would have this relationship with him that would be the most important thing in our life. As we look at this, kids, you may remember in Matthew chapter 7, you may not know it's Matthew chapter 7, Jesus told a great story about his words, his new message that he was sharing with them. And he talked about uh, a wise man and how he built this house. Do you remember that story? Uh, where does a wise man build his, build his house? On the rock. Where doesn't he build his house? In the sand. Why? Because he's built sandcastles before and he knows they don't work. They don't work. How many of you have built a sandcastle? Super fun. Easy material to work with. Easy material to work with. All you need is a little bit of water, a little bit of sand, and you can get it all coming together. But the, there's a tide thing, right? You, you don't build it far back because there's not enough water so you put it right on the edge there and then in time what happens the tide comes in and as my, I, I built a lot of sandcastles in my time I'm not saying I'm an expert or anything but uh, design was a, wasn't my best I, I was in for strength and so you put rocks in it and, and you, you think you got it all taken care of but you know what happens in the end is nothing you're not going to go back to any of the beaches in Santa Barbara and see my handiwork no, you're not going to see it. It's gone. It's obliterated. Why? Because it won't stand. In, in Matthew chapter 7, it says this. Uh, 
uh, starting in verse 24, it says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it great was the fall of it I want to encourage you about your marriages uh, kids as you think about this in the future you're going to need you personally and not just for your marriage but for everything you personally are going to need Jesus in all that you do when you go to school, when you move to a new city, when you, when you start a job, when you, when you have to deal with your aging parents, you should take care of them, by the way. Uh, you're going to need Jesus. When, when, you, uh, when you find that special someone and you say, hey, we're going to come together, we're going to get married, and everything's going to be great, you are going to need Jesus. You are going to need Jesus. Your, your life is going to need to be planted on something that is firm, not something that is uh, moving and shifting like the sand. It's interesting when you look through uh, the times where Jesus spoke as well as the, uh, the apostles as they talked about what it means to come to know Jesus. They used some great words like salvation, to be saved. You know what it is to be saved? You're in a mess and you get pulled out you're out of the mess okay that's what it is to know jesus it talks about freedom you know what freedom is right freedom is like you're being captured and you're stuck and you're caged and you can't get out and you're you're in a bad situation and guess what the door flings open you no longer are stuck you're free these are some of the words uh is bigger words reconciled reconciled you know that's a great word too you know what that word means it, it means that it, that you, you were at odds and there was a mess and it was real and it means that that's been taken away and you've had been replaced with a good relationship i want to tell you that this is what it is to know jesus this is what it is for you these words come with having a relationship with him and I want to tell you that we individuals need to be secure in Christ. That our life is taken care of in Him and what He did on the cross. That our sins are forgiven. That's another good word too, forgiven, right? You like that word, forgiven? I love that word. Because it means that everything that I have done wrong, all the sins that I've committed, all the things that I uh, you say, well, there were circumstances around there. Those don't erase it just because there were circumstances around there, do they? They get erased by the blood of Jesus that he took care of us, that he has caused us to be forgiven. You know what? This is a dangerous thing. I want to tell you something. If you say, well, um, I don't need Jesus. I just need this man or this woman. I'm going to get married, but I don't want to... I don't need Jesus. I'll, I'll use that other person as my security. Do you think that's going to work? You're right. 
You're right. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. In fact, in fact, you, you would show yourself to be the one that builds their house in the sand. So you need Jesus. You need to be secure. And, and I want to tell you, a lot of our struggles, uh, those of us who are married, is that we're seeking our security in that person, in our career, in, in our bank account, in our smarts, in our heritage, not in Christ. song says all, all other ground is sinking sand and it is that's number one kids our security needs to be found in christ be secure in christ second one colossians chapter three uh have jesus in every bit of your life and marriage every bit of your life and marriage uh this is kind of the second step the the thing for us to think through we're securing christ and now we go and live our life, and Jesus needs to be in every bit of our lives. He needs to be in our recreation, in our school, in our parenting, in uh, uh, our family relationship, in, in, in the times where we go to bed and the times where we wake up. There's this idea that Jesus is involved in everything that I do. In Colossians chapter 3, it says this, Set your minds on things that are above, above not on things that are on earth and then it says this for you, you have died and your life is hidden with christ in god when christ who is your life appears then you will appear with him in glory i want to tell you that um jesus a relationship with jesus isn't a hat you wear it's not just a part of your life it's not something that dresses you up and says, yeah, this is kind of a part of me. But I have other parts too. The idea of having a relationship with Jesus is that we're thinking about him as our life. Everything about living to me has Jesus in it. And he is the reason that I'm living. There's a sign. I don't know. Maybe some of you have this in your home. Maybe some of us need to get this in our home. I could make you a sign. It'd be really cute. Jordan and I will work on it. Um, my art skills haven't progressed more than uh, the early years. But anyways, some of you have seen signs like this. It says, says this, Christ is the head of this home. The unseen guest at every meal. The silent listener to every conversation. That, that pictures this idea that he is our life. He is our life. He's not just a, a section of our life. He's not Sunday morning. He's not my Bible study. He's not involved in that. He's involved in all of it, which includes your marriage. He's listening to your conversation. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what's going on in your home. I don't. I don't know what's going on in your home. As you leave today, you can pick up your webcam and install it in your home. We're going to have a Bear Valley account. Uh, I got this from the Russians, by the way. Uh, but uh, uh, it is the idea that we could see into each other's homes. We could hear what's going on. We could, no, that's not the point. It's that Jesus is in our home. It's that, that he's the one 
that's a part of everything we're doing. And I want to tell you, if you're trying to keep Jesus out of your marriage, good luck to you. Good luck to you. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's going to be a heartache day in and day out. It's going to be this struggle. Why? Because Jesus didn't want to be a, a, a sliver of our life. He wanted to be our life. All that we are. All that we're doing. So kids, got it? Got it? You ready? You ready to get married? Uh, first thing, be secure in Christ. Be secure in Christ. The second is um, have Jesus in every bit of your life and marriage. I, I want to say allow Him, but He's already there, okay? Acknowledge Him, right? Acknowledge Him in everything that you do. Kids, that's for you even now. He's there in your bedroom at night. He's there when you're watching TV. He's there when you're on the playground. He's there when you're talking to your buddies. He's there on the bus even. Even. Imagine that. So we have Jesus in every bit of our life and marriage. Third point. Uh, be a from the heart forgiver. A from the heart forgiver. Now, when I say this, I, I, I wanna, I'm trying to make sure that you understand where we're going with this. A from the heart forgiver. In Matthew 18, we looked at this, uh, I believe, in um, November of last year. There, there was this conversation. Uh, it, it goes like this. I, I'll, I'll read parts of it to you. Uh, verse 21 says this. Then Peter came up and said to him, saying to Jesus, Lord, how often uh, will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Is a good uh, application in marriage. How many times should I forgive in marriage? Seven times? Some of you are like, is this an hour? Seven times an hour? No, it's this idea that you, you should forgive more. There, there should be this, uh, they struggled with this passage to understand whether it's seven times seven or 70 times seven, but it's this idea of not to be numbered, not to be numbered. Uh, farther than you can count. As you look at this, he says this. Jesus said to him, I, I do not say seven times seven, but 77 times or, or seven times seven. Um, you, you look at this and um, you, you go through this passage and you pick up that last section and he tells a story uh, of, of debts that needed to be paid. And, and I want to tell you, um, if you're trying to keep score in your marriage, kids, if, you're, if you, you think it's all about she does a nice thing, I do a nice thing. She does a bad thing, then I have credit. I can do a bad thing, okay? She does five bad things, I'm sitting pretty, you know? I, I'm sitting pretty over here. I can do whatever I want, you know? It, it's not about keeping score. In fact, the, the story goes on, it talks about these debts and how they're going to be paid and, and how one, uh, one master deals with it like this and then the same guy who gets forgiven goes out and, and Jesus says this. He says, you are to forgive in this amazing sort of way that you should forgive as I have forgiven you. And then it, it ends up this passage in verse 35. He says, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. As you look in marriage, I want to tell you that 
that there's this responsibility to forgive, but it doesn't come from offsetting penalties. We've talked about the Super Bowls next week. Did you know that? Get your dips ready, okay? It's not offsetting penalties. They did something bad, I did something bad, we're all good. That's not the way this works. It's I did a, 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 this amazing amount of bad, evil. I've sinned again and again and again. Not against you all. That you, you guys may have been there and you may have uh, in, had some of the repercussions, but I've sinned against God. And that He has forgiven me in His Son, Jesus. And that because He has forgiven me in Jesus, um, I need to be one of these ones that now takes that and be a from the heart forgiver. From the heart. There's a distinction there from the heart that my heart is now with you. The heart is with you. Uh, it's not empty words. It's not a simple, I don't want to forgive you, but I guess I have to check it off the list. I guess it's done. It, it's, it's that I give you my heart. I lay myself out there for you. I will willingly be hurt and in that cost of that hurt, I will forgive you. Why? Because Jesus has done that for me. From the heart. Some of you say, I've forgiven. But in that same heart, I've got a section where I'm keeping track. I'm, not, I'm purposely not forgetting these things. I, I, I'm saying, remember when you hurt me. Remember when you hurt me. And I may not bring it up, but I remember it purposefully. But instead, be this from the heart forgiver. As we move on, uh, that was number three. Thank you. Number four, have careful, kind, gracious, uplifting words. Words. Have careful, kind, gracious, uplifting words. There's a lot of, a lot of words in there, right? Uh, careful. You know what? Uh, if you have a brother or a sister, how did you talk to them growing up? You just said what you were thinking, right? And you didn't really care if they liked it or not because they were just your sister, right? Just your brother. And it wasn't like they were going to leave because they couldn't go very far, right? Same house. I'm leaving here forever. No, you're just going to your room, you know. It's not a big deal. Uh, and you'll come out eventually when you get hungry. <laughs> uh, there's this sense in family where we think we can say whatever we want, uh, and we don't have to be careful. That's not the picture of Christ. This isn't the picture of what it is to be married. To, to have careful words, to have careful words to have kind words, to have gracious words, uplifting words. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. But this is the only kind of talk. Listen to this. But only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Love it. Love it. There's plenty of words that should never be spoken. Never be spoken. Don't say those ones. They, they're, be, they're perverse. They're harsh. They're, there's plenty of words that should never be spoken. But there are some words that should be spoken and are commanded to do so. 
It's this idea that we are to lift one another up through our words. That these kind and gracious words would flow from our lips. That we would not be so concerned about being heard and being understood, but that our words would connect with the heart of others. That our words would lift up, and in this context, our spouse, our spouse. You say, well, we've been married a long time. Those, those dating days are over, <laughs> right? I don't have to be nice anymore. She's stuck with me. Don't do that. Don't do that. Think to yourself, think to yourself, how can my words, my words lift up my spouse? How can my words be the thing that, that picks them up? It's hard. This is a, this is a hard life. How many, how many of you have struggled this week? Kids, look around. Look around. Some of your parents are going like this. Yes, I have. I don't want to talk about it. No, Dad's got it all under control. Yeah. Uh, have careful, kind, gracious, uplifting words. This is the way the Lord would have us talk. If we're saved, this is, this is what we should be doing. It doesn't matter how many years you've been married, that our words should uh, lift, lift our spouse. And uh, we need His grace to do this, right? I need His grace to do this. Number five, number five. Live, live for others. Live for others and others. Live for others and others, okay? The others are your kids, okay? And, and others are your kids, okay? Live for others and others, okay? It's this picture that when we get to mar uh, be married, it's not that we get to do whatever we want and now life will be awesome for us. It's that we are coming together saying, I'm going to live for that other person. I'm going to live for that other person. I'm going to live for them. I'm going to look to them. I'm going to figure out how I can be the one for them. And then when you have kids, you, you continue to add those to the others that you take care of. In Galatians chapter 5, um, I love this. I love this. Because this brings in the gospel. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, it says this. For you were called to freedom. We talked about freedom earlier, right? Uh, freedom comes through knowing Jesus. Uh, for you were called to freedom, brothers. But he says, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, do what? Serve one another. Serve one another. To serve one another is so hard, right? Because we're naturally bent to serve ourselves. Do you need an example? Are you thirsty? You're thirsty, what do you do? You get a drink. You get a drink. Most of us just go, we get a drink, we figure out what we want. We do that, we get that, and we're like, I got it. I got it. I served myself. Self-service, right? This is self-service. We don't even know what full service is anymore. Some of you are old enough to know what that is. Some of you, go to Oregon. You'll figure it out. Okay. Uh, so, uh, but, but the idea of serving yourself is easy. You just figure out what you want and go get it. But, but what Christ has saved us for is freedom from this selfish, stuck in slavery, sinful life. And he says, now, you know what we're supposed to do? 
We're supposed to take this freedom and do what? Serve one another. Serve one another. You know what marriage is all about? Some of you are engaged here today. I won't point you out. I don't want to embarrass anybody. If you're engaged, you know what marriage is all about? It's about serving the other person. It's about serving the other person. And so for us, so for us, to, to get used to it, get it stuck in your mind. Kids, how will you know if she or he is the one? Look that in the face and say, I will willingly serve them the rest of my life. You can say crazy things like that. That's possibly the one right there, okay? Serve them for the rest of your life. Why? Because this is what you want to do. Uh, these kids, too, you're going to have to serve them as well. Um, that was number five. Number six, have a partner. Have a partner. And you say, have a partner? Yeah. Have a partner. Have a partner. Not a competitor, not an adversary, not a servant. Okay? When you look at that other someone, kids, that special someone, you, you're not going to say, I'm better than them. I can beat them at this. I'm stronger. I'm smarter. I'm quicker. Like, like I, it'll be great to be with them because they'll show me how great I am all the time. They're not a competitor. They're not a competitor. They're not your adversary. They're not your enemy. That you're not, they're not a fighting partner, a warring partner. If, if that's the picture of your marriage, you've got it all wrong. That's not why God gave you your wife or your husband. Marriage is not to be an adversarial role for you guys fighting for your own way. That's not what it's supposed to be like. You say, Oh, this is revolutionary here this morning. Uh, you're not supposed to be enemies with your spouse. What is it supposed to be like? And by the way, it's not supposed to be a servant. I just said serve the last point, but I want, I want you to get this. You are not supposed to see your spouse as your servant. You're supposed to be the servant to your spouse. There's a difference there, isn't there? You see them as a servant. They do this for you. They need to work harder on serving you and doing all these things. No, that's not it at all. It's your partner. It's your partner. As you look to Genesis chapter 2, and this is part of creation. It speaks of Adam and, and his deficiency. And it says this, uh, chapter 2, verse 19. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field, every bird of the heavens, and brought them to man to see what they would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to birds and heavens, to every beast of the field. But then it says this, But for Adam, there was not a, found a helper fit for him. There's this counterpart, there's this partner, there's this helper in life that God has designed. And, but for Adam, there was no one. There was no one. And so what happened? God created Eve, just like Adam. No, that's not true. You, you guys are sleeping on me. Adam was totally different than Eve, and I should say it this way. Eve was totally different than Adam. And I want to tell you, by God's design, kids, guess what? Guess what? If you're an Adam type, you want an Eve type totally different than you. And you say, that doesn't make sense. 
It doesn't make sense now, but it will make sense later. And I want to tell you, it's God's design. It's God's design. And this is how marriage will be good, is for you to find that partner. And you say, partner for what? Partner for life. Partner for life. Partner for raising the next generation. Partner for making it through these days. Partner for going through sickness with and health. Partner to dream with about the future. Partner to go to doctor's appointments with. Sounds awful, doesn't it? No, sounds worse going alone. Sounds worse going alone partner look for a partner not someone you can compete with not an adversary and not your servant and lastly i I just want to say this sign up for sacrificial service sign up for sacrificial service that sounds crazy doesn't it we're gonna have a sign up for slaves out in the uh uh, lobby after after church no you know what you know i don't want to sign up for that yes you do you sign up for it when you get married. Sacrificial service. You don't s- say, I'll, I'll serve when it's convenient. I- I'll serve, you don't want to make it contingent. I will serve if they do the following five things. It's not contingent. It's not when it's convenient. It's not when it's contingent. And it's not costless acts either. Got all those C's lined up. I was proud of myself on that too costless acts you know what that is it's the idea that says yeah i'll do it when it doesn't cost me anything when it's like spare extra i don't need it anyways i'll serve i'll do that service thing when it doesn't cost me anything i want to tell you that jesus um, modeled this and uh, he was the one that would come and listen to this in in mark chapter 10 it says this and and he's speaking to his disciples who are wanting to be great. And so you can't be great in marriage, right? can't be great. Not unless you can, you can't be a sacrificial servant and be great at the same time. I'm the best. No, I'm the be- servant, okay? I'm serving. So listen to this. Mark chapter 10, verse 44. And whoever would be first among you must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man, speaking of Jesus, he refers to himself, came not to be, be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many when jesus speaks of service you know what he describes he describes himself laying down his life giving his life that ransom price but going to the cross you see this is the picture if you're gonna serve like jesus did this is the secret to your marriage is that you say, I will serve them whatever they need. Whatever they need. I can't say, uh, you know, that whole serving thing doesn't fit into my schedule. I was looking, I'm a little tight right now. I, I'm, I'm booked up for the next few years. Uh, I'll, I'll check, ba- check back with me, and then I'll, I'll see if I will serve you. It can't be contingent. It can't be that thing that says, well, I would have served her. I would have served him, but they did these five things. And once those five things are done, now we're, we can talk after that. But, but until those things are done, I, I, I'm not game. 
And it can't be that cheap stuff, that costless stuff, that the stuff that you're going to throw away anyways. I want to encourage you kids. Uh, you can have a great marriage. You, your parents are fumbling through it. Uh, learn stuff from them, both good and bad. And then you'll get your turn to trust the Lord with these things in the years to come. Let's pray for good marriages. God, uh, we need your help. We cry out to you. We cry out to you asking for your participation, for you reordering our homes. God, I ask for humility for us to say, I failed, I failed, I failed. Uh, help me, Lord, in these areas. I, I see where I've gone wrong. Uh, I, God, I ask for reconciliation in marriages, that, that we would come together with smiles on our faces saying, I failed you, I'm sorry. Uh, please forgive and, and this embrace this forgiveness from the heart. Lord, I ask that this would be going on uh, the folks of this church here by your grace. God, thank you uh, for your grace that covers us, that when we fail and we fail time and time again, you don't throw us to the curb and say, forget you, I'm tired of you. But in your grace, you love us. And do your work in your church, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One last thing. One last thing. Uh, if you're stuck, if you're stuck, uh, and you're stuck in a place of your own sins and you just, you just need a little bit of help, uh, the elders and the pastors are here for you. We'd love to sit with you. Uh, we'd love to encourage you. Uh, nobody uh, will be condemned as they come through here, but you'll be encouraged to uh, find a way out in the Lord. Uh, so we're available to you. Thank you for coming today. You are dismissed.